The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Oh, the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Well, the San Francisco 49ers have had an interesting couple of years at the quarterback position. It began with the big move prior to the 2021 draft, giving up in all three first-round picks and a third-round pick in order to acquire Trey Lance. It hasn't worked out, obviously. He has hardly played in 2021. We thought there were going to be Taysom Hill packages. He barely was on the field. It became a distraction. Jimmy G was the guy last year. Trey Lance was the guy until week two, broken ankle, and then it was Jimmy G again until he got injured, and it was Brock Purdy. Now Purdy, the last guy drafted in 2022, is the presumed starter, assuming they get him healthy. The report that landed yesterday, 49ers fielding calls on Trey Lance. Now, look, look I, I there have been reports that have merged in the past from the same reporter that a team was fielding, not making calls about a player. And I heard immediately from others, no, the team is making the calls. Now, I haven't heard that the 49ers are actually making the calls, but the mere fact that this is coming from the 49ers, who else would be in a position to leak to anyone that the 49ers are fielding calls other than the 49ers? They want this out there. They want it to be known that they're open for business. This is part of the nuance of negotiation, of negotiating from a position of strength. Oh, we're not trying to trade him. No, 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 no. Oh, this that's your offer? No, we're not trying to trade him. What makes you think we're trying to trade him? Somebody reported we're fielding calls. We didn't say they're fielding calls. We're we're not even fielding calls. You want to trade him? It's going to cost more. So, you know, we saw how stubborn they were with Jimmy G when the window was open for a limited time for him to be traded. I, They can field all the calls they want, Chris. I have a feeling that they're going to want so much for Trey Lance to save face in connection with the reality of what they gave up to get him that they're not going to be able to trade him. I'd be, I'll be stunned if they find a trade partner for Trey Lance. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, first, you know, the, yeah, the value of Trey Lance and what he is right now, I mean, that's a discussion in itself that we can dive into here in a second. I mean, am I surprised to hear this, that they're taking calls or they called people, whatever you want to say? Am I surprised? No. I mean, I said this to Matt Mayako of, uh, you know, you know, San Francisco beat writer out there, NBC Sports, Matt Mayako, right? I said it out at the Super Bowl. I just said, he's like, well, what about Trey Lance? I was like, anything's on the table. I mean, I, it wasn't like I, inside info. Anybody who pays attention to football, you'd go, wait, a guy that was a third round pick. They found a new start. I mean, the third pick of the draft. They found a new starting quarterback. He hasn't played much. It hasn't worked. There's a lot of, you know, negative critiquing of him around everywhere. Like to think that, you know, that a trade wasn't an option. It was, I thought that was pretty obvious, I guess, I guess is what I'm saying. That there at least would be these kind of calls or conversations that go out there. I mean, he's on record, Shanahan, is saying Brock Purdy's the starting quarterback, period. Right? We know he likes Sam Darnold. 
right? So I think Sam Darnold, they're completely comfortable with him being the backup quarterback or even being the starter if Brock Purdy can't start the start of the year because of the elbow issue there. But, you know, the big thing is, yeah, like you said, it's the optics of it, all they traded to give it, right? Do they get anything that even remotely gives them an offer to let them save face in this situation? Or do they just go, screw it, this is not going to work, and we don't want to answer questions, and let's just rip the Band-Aid off, and we made a mistake, and let's move on from life here? You know, it, it could go a lot of different ways here. I'll, I'll be interested to see what happens here with the Trey Lance. But I do feel like, Mike, we have gotten into the territory maybe of like we see with players like an Evan Ingram with the Giants or whoever. Maybe a new look, a new team, a new feel would do. Need a fresh start. Yeah, would do good for both both sides here. And, and especially for the kid. Yes. Look, he was under immense pressure from the moment his career started. Everything they gave up to get him on a Super Bowl-ready team, all we need is a quarterback we can rely on, a guy who can stay healthy, a guy who can run the offense. He hasn't had a chance to learn how to run the offense because, first of all, he wasn't deemed to be good enough to overcome Jimmy Garoppolo as a rookie. And remember that preseason game against the Chargers yes. when Garoppolo struggled and you had said right. that Kyle seemed frustrated because that was the moment that Lance could have seized the job yep. and he just didn't and and they were going to do packages for Trey Lance and who knows what the real story is there all I know is after that season ended Jimmy Garoppolo said he wouldn't wish what he went through in 2021 on anyone I wonder how active he was in saying I'm not coming off the field you want me to be your quarterback I'm out here on the field you can't yank me off the field for a play here or a play there you either want me to run the offense or you don't. It reminds me, all the way back to 2009 in the preseason when the Eagles were doing some Mike Vick plays and Don McNabb's doing this on the sideline. Like, no, 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 I'm the quarterback. I mean, that's that when, when that wildcat alternate quarterback thing first became yeah. popular in the NFL, one of the, one of the accepted realities was if you have a franchise quarterback, you'd never take the ball out of his hands. Right. So I just wonder how much of that tension was part of it in 21, and then last year he's the guy until he isn't. And yeah, it just it it just happened. And he needs a fresh start. But I think the 49ers, based upon what we saw with how they handled Garoppolo, are stubborn, they're headstrong, and they're not gonna give up Trey Lance for whatever the best offer is. You know, we talked about Lamar Jackson. I'm right. on fifty thousand for the car, all anyone's offering is thirty. They're not taking best offer in San Francisco. They're going to have a, a floor they want, and if they don't get it, they're just going to keep Trey Lance, and that's a shame because it's it's no good for the kid. And he's going to have to see, does Brock Purdy get injured? Does Sam Darnold get injured? How do I get onto the field to ever really kickstart my career? And yeah. maybe he will, right? but he'd be better off going somewhere else where he gets a fresh start. I, I, I agree, right? And, um, you know, the value of Trey Lance, I mean, yeah, I mean, what what would you, you know, would the 49ers trade him for a fourth rounder right now? I, if, if I was Kyle asked me, I'd go, yeah, no, trade him. I, I don't think I they know. would. I know. I would say you, you should they do would. it, I don't though. think they would. I know. You're right. I don't know if they would either. And, you know, what, what I would say to that is, you know, one, the value is only going to go down if Brock Purdy or Sam Darnold beats him out in the, you know, as the backup. Like, okay, forget it ever trading him if that at once that happens, right? But, yeah, is there some teams out there that'll – you know, that like Trey Lance before, you know, when he was drafted, right? We had always heard during that process, everybody, in fact, everybody heard. The Falcons like Trey Lance. They were hot on him, right? There was, you know, and then, of course, we've connected dots with Rand Carthon, the new GM of the Tennessee Titans. And, of course, when he got hired by the Titans, Trey Lance put out the fingers crossed emoji as in implying, like, I hope you bring me there. That's how I took it, right? But, yeah. What is that value of Trey Lance? And what I worry about too, Mike, on top of that is, again, what we talked about in the draft process, it's even worse now. Trey Lance hasn't played a football season in three years. Like what? That's that's unbelievable. He, he played one year of starting quarterback in North Dakota State, had a COVID year and played one game, had a rookie year and played a few plays and then one game. And then last year, injury right so that's where you got to worry about Trey Lance's future as well it's just the fact and lack of reps on the field have to be a little concerning too I reported yesterday that the Vikings and the 49ers talked about Trey Lance at the scouting combine yeah. now there were also rumors at the time linking Kirk Cousins to the Vikings 
I don't know that they actually had conversations. I mean, to the 49ers. Yeah. I don't know if they actually had conversations about Cousins, but they did have conversations, I'm told, about Lance. And it, would, it wouldn't be a surprise if it would have been a Cousins for Lance flip-flop. I don't know what else goes on. I think that the 49ers probably have to give more to get that done. It can't just be straight up Trey Lance for Kirk Cousins. But right now, you know, the Vikings are looking for a guy that they can develop for a year behind Kirk Cousins. I don't think it makes sense for the Vikings to get Lance if Cousins is the guy this year. I think it makes sense for Lance to go somewhere where he has an opportunity to be the starter in 2023. He doesn't need to sit on the bench for another year. Chris, I got one for you. Yeah, This goes back to... And it's funny that people people just think that Nick Casario, there's no way he's leaving the Texans because he came out this week and said he's not leaving. Again, until the owners say they're not making a change, we have to keep an eye on the possibility. And the next step in that that rumor mill as it relates to the Texans, Mike Silver of the San Francisco Chronicle said this last week on Twitter, that the talk is that the Texans would target assistant GM of the 49ers, Adam Peters. Right. So let's say, let's say, let's say the play is we don't take a quarterback in Houston with a first round pick. We focus on other positions and our quarterbacks post-draft are Case Keenum and Davis Mills. And then all this other stuff happens. That would be a destination for Trey Lance, especially if Peters is the guy who talked Kyle Shanahan off of Mac Jones and onto Trey Lance. I mean, I've said this before. Somebody talked Kyle Shanahan out of waiting for Kirk Cousins and accepting Jimmy Garoppolo in 2017 when they were just months away from signing Kirk Cousins. And somebody talked Kyle Shanahan, you believe this too, out of Mac Jones and into Trey Lance. If Adam Peters is the guy who talked him into Trey Lance, it would make sense if all that other stuff happens for Adam Peters to want Trey Lance in Houston. Yeah, I, I I mean, yes, you're right. You connect those dots. Yeah, you know, again, I don't know all those things, but yeah, everybody thinks Adam Peters is a huge Trey Lance guy, right? No doubt about it. Yes. Do I think Shanahan in the process wanted Mac Jones and somewhere it changed, you know, and my assessment of public pressure, it became a gift and a mean thing. You're going to draft Mac Jones over this guy with Justin Fields who had his shirt off and it became a huge thing there. All of it just started to pile on. So I, that, that's my feel, right? I'm never going to get you know, the real truth of that from my friend Kyle Shanahan there. But that would be what I'd have to say to connect those dots, certainly. And what you're saying there, yeah, if that came to, to light or came to truth where Adam Peters moved there, yeah, you would think that, yeah, there'd be a good chance. There'd be a good chance. Or it's the opposite where they go, wait, wait, no, we've seen Trey Lance the last few years, and the new offensive coordinator in Houston who's from San Francisco has also seen him and goes, eh, we don't want any part of him, actually, because we know exactly what he is. So, yeah, there's just a lot of questions and unknown about Trey Lance right now where we're at. Remember all that stuff from two years ago about just how Mac Jones looked in his Alabama uniform? He looked kind of like a lumpy baked potato right. and it all wasn't fitting, and this guy's a first-rounder, and then he shows up. It's like superhero stuff. In New England, not not that he's had some fundamental change to his physique, but just how he looked like right out of the gates. Like, is that the same dude? And yeah, th- there was. I'm thinking back to that. Like, wait a minute. You're leaning toward that guy as the yeah, number three overall became pick a when thing. you have these these athletic specimens, like especially even in Justin Fields. I'm sure in hindsight, they wish they'd have taken Justin Fields, not Mac Jones. Um, but uh, he's been the best of the three so far uh, and has the, I think, highest ceiling. But bottom line is, Trey Lance needs a fresh start. He deserves a fresh start. Not that what he thinks he deserves matters. 49ers have his rights for two more years on his rookie contract. Fifth-year options in play. I can't imagine them exercising it. But I I suspect based on the way they handle Jimmy Garoppolo, Chris, they're going to dig their heels in. They're going to want what they want. And if they don't get it, they're going to keep him around. And the easy argument is you never know what's going to happen. That's right. We're we're perfectly content to put this guy on the bench. Yeah. Because look at what happened last year. We needed that third quarterback. He may he may come in and take us to a Super Bowl or to the brink of a Super Bowl like Brock Purdy did last year. Yeah, no, I, I think that's very real too. I, that's where I, I could see them being totally fine with Trey Lance and he's, he's cost nothing really in the big scheme of things. And yeah, you still go, well, wait, we did, there were things we like, so let's continue to develop him. And if he does get a chance, maybe we strike gold, you know, with it when, when that time comes. But 
nobody's been cursed at that position more than the 49ers over the last four or five years. So I, I agree with your last sentiment there that three three quarterbacks is not a crazy thought for the 49ers and, and what they've been through there. Bottom line is if they had just waited for Kirk Cousins, and really, really, you, you know how I am. You're not going to Kirk Cousins. I love him. I love him. <laughs> He'd he'd have he'd have a couple of Super Bowl rings to go with Kirko Chains if he had become the 49ers starting quarterback in 2018. He'd have at least one and maybe two, and we'd all feel very differently about Kirk Cousins. Well, I yeah, I mean, I, listen, I, I, there's a part of me, and you've heard me say this before. I I think they'd be in a different spot if they had Mac Jones. Mac Jones was made for that that team. That's I mean, what are you talking about, Kirk Cousins? I mean, Mac Jones is. The better version of Kirk Cousins coming out in the draft, right? So, yeah, I you know again, I don't know what happens. Maybe Shanahan will write it in the book or what you know what happened during that whole process there. Uh, but yeah, I certainly think they you know could be in a different spot. We'll see. We know they're still damn good. They're in the Super Bowl window, but it is crazy with a team as talented as they are. Yeah, quarterback is a, a question mark as far as what's going to go on there this season. And, and really, when you think about it, the 49ers have been, over the past five years, the best team in football. Good Lord. The best, the best team in football, but they don't have a reliable quarterback. And, yeah, it could have been that guy. Man, that makes me, a few, that makes me feel pretty good about what I see when I get out of the shower every <laughs> yeah. day, and I'm 57. Oh, seriously. I, you know, he, didn't, so. he didn't try to suck it in at all or anything right there. You know, So I, I think that's I gone got, away. I, 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 look, I, I got to give him credit for posing – for that photo with his shirt off because he could have said give me a second here yeah, yeah, seriously <laughs> I, need a, I need a shirt so so kudos to mac jones for having the swagger to be willing to let it all hang out and say that's right and i'm going in the first round of the draft okay let's take a break uh speaking of the draft and the needs of the teams that will be drafting we're going to focus on a couple of the teams from the nfc west when pft live continues right after this I played in a game in Kezar when Jim Marshall picked up the ball and ran the wrong way. To give you an idea how good we were, two of our guys were chasing him, were going to try to tackle him. But thank God Jim was faster and didn't catch him. Another part of history was a game in Chicago. We watched Gale Sears score six touchdowns. The Bears hadn't ran out of oxygen, he might have scored six more. It was the greatest performance in football history. And I remember going to the Pro Bowl that year and being so excited because Gale was going to be on the same team I was on. And I was going to see him up close for the first time. <laughs> oh, that's good. Dave Wilcox, <laughs> Hall of Fame induction, passed away yesterday at the age of 80, one of the all-time great 49ers players from an era where the 49ers were not a great team. And, Chris, I was mesmerized by not just his stories, but the background there. I don't know if you noticed that, but yes. tight yes. cluster. There was Paul Horning, Chuck Knoll, yeah. Bill Walsh, right. Franco Harris. Right. All right there. I know. Just amazing. Just amazing to see that. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing how life flies by, and just it's yeah, those are legends to me. They're like they're never dead. So, you know, a lot of those guys there. It's just it's uh, it's a shame, and it's you know again, a Dave Wilcox was before my era, but you know knew of him, of course, had seen some clips of you know some funny interviews or whatever, and and have seen that before too, which is you know uh, one of the classic Hall of Fame speeches. But you know, uh, R.I.P. to him. Thoughts go out to his family and everything, and uh, a legend of the NFL for sure. That day when Jim Marshall ran the wrong way for a safety, that game featured, if I recall correctly, 13 total turnovers, seven by one team and six by the other. Oh I can't gosh. remember which one had seven. Were you a Vikings fan six. already by then? I wasn't alive then. That was six. Oh, that was, was a little alive. before. Yeah, maybe you're right. It might have been right about like been one 64. or two. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. You're not that yeah. old. All yeah. right. So thank you. Thank yeah. you. You're trying to make me even older <laughs> than I already am. But I remember when I was a kid and I would see that clip because they, they, they didn't wear purple pants for decades. 
And I always loved that clip from that game because I always thought those purple pants looked so great. And it's like, boy, maybe one of these days they'll bring back the purple pants. And now I'm not a big fan of the purple pants. It's kind of how it goes. All right. Uh, but uh, uh, condolences to the family and friends and colleagues, teammates, et cetera, of Dave Wilcox, uh, one of the all-time greats of the San Francisco 49ers and of the National Football League. That leads us to the draft needs for the NFC West. We'll start with the 49ers, team we've been talking about as it relates to their draft misadventures from two years ago. They have no picks in the first two rounds, uh, due in part to the machinations that resulted in the Trey Lance acquisition. They have three selections in round three, 11 in all, but just three in the top 150. What do they have to get? in the draft this year, Chris. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, you, you said it, you know, a little bit last segment, right? This is this is one of the best teams in football. There's not a lot of places on the roster you look and go, oh, you know, they can use an improvement there. Defensive line and linebackers are pretty damn awesome in that department. So I think I look at O-line, Mike, right? Lost Mike McGlinchey, you know, Maybe a, an interior O lineman that could be a part of the conversation too, or corner. It's one of the, one of the two there. I think corner is still probably the part of the roster you look at to go. There's not a lot of high end talent there, or they haven't had a guy that they can go. Hey, it's a big third and eight, and we can put him on this guy man to man, and he'll shut him down. They haven't had that. I think those are the two things that jump out to me, Mike. You know, anything anything jump out to you? Well, definitely O-line when yeah. Mike McGlinchey right. departs in free agency. That creates a need. And, you know, this gets back to what we're talking about as it relates to the Chiefs. We don't know what they have ready to go. That will push into. Exactly. O-line's the worst they like They plan for right. that years ahead of time. Right. They didn't just wake up one day and say, oh, no, we don't have Mike McGlinchey. Yeah, they right. made the conscious decision not to try to sign him, and he's gone. So they had to have a plan to replace him. And that makes me wonder – you know, as we push this envelope farther, what yeah. other positions are they thinking about that they may not have the immediate need? Now, when you're one of the best teams in the NFL, the draft becomes that luxury where you develop. And, I mean, George Kittle's not going to be there forever. I, that can be very real. You're Kittle right. I point. hear you. Yeah. Right? I would think, well, yeah, Kittle's being paid a lot, right? We're getting to the end of that second contract, right, in an age where, you know, that you start to go, oh, wait, you know. Hey, injuries, things like that could keep creeping up. What you know, the next contract, what's he gonna ask for? And it's a very important position for Shanahan. I mean, we know that going back to his dad, with with, you know, Shannon Sharp. That this is they they believe in the tight end. It's a big part of how he confuses you with the run game and then using the tight end off of that to sneak behind the linebackers and do all that. So I, I think you're you're right about that. No doubt about it. I would say probably maybe even the same thing for a pass rusher. You know, you can maybe just look down the line a little bit. We know Nick Bosa is going to be there, but maybe they lost Samson Ekubam, uh to the Colts, I believe, in free agency. So you look for a guy over there to be a, another presence or whatever. But, yeah, I think we've kind of hit on it, and I think your thought there about, you know, tight end for the future is, is definitely something that crossed my brain when I was looking at this situation. Or even if they could find somebody that's got the versatility to kind of, you know, the Kyle Juszczyk who doesn't get used as much as maybe he could or should, you know, just a, a Swiss Army knife guy that you could plug into that offense because that, that's what he likes. It is. He likes guys that yeah. can do a bunch of different things Definitely. and can line up in a bunch of different spots. Right. And if you could find a guy that could be both tight end for the future, fullback, yeah. help out H-back, somehow. All I, that. Know, just, right. There's a lot of ways they can go as they, uh, again, I assume they've addressed the needs that they currently have in the past. Now it's about projecting what your future needs are. When you're a great team, you you can do that. The Rams, even though they won the Super Bowl not that long ago, they are among the worst teams in the NFL right now. What do they do? And they have a lot of picks. They still have 11, three in the top 50, just like the 49ers. 36th overall pick is their first one. They still haven't had a first-round pick since they took Jared Goff with the first overall selection in 2016. What must they get? And really, I mean, well, what don't they need? Exactly. That, what what don't they need? Right. right. I mean, they're, they're a little bit in like, you know, like best player available territory, really, when you get into it. You know, at, at round two, pick 36, edge, corner, I don't know, some sort of D lineman in general. It doesn't even matter. I, I guess those would be the top three things I would think of. But, man, it, it could be what, what, like you said, it could literally be whatever's best on your board. I mean, they're O-line. They, they need that, right? Wide receiver, 
Oh, they need that too. I mean, they're, so you, you said it. I don't really know if I can look at one area and go, oh my gosh, they really got to change that. I, I guess the edge and the corner, you know, D lineman and corner would maybe be the two things I would look at, you know, uh, but, but yeah, it's a team that definitely needs a, a replenishing in, in a lot of different areas. Get the best players, the most important positions. I think that's what they need to do. And and it's not too early to be thinking about a developmental quarterback that maybe Sean McVay really likes that slips through the cracks. I'm not saying with their 36th overall pick, their first shot at taking a guy. Yeah. But I, I look, I think this is Aaron Donald's last year. We said this the other day. Yeah. I think this is Aaron Donald's last year. There's a chance it's Matthew Stafford's last year, and there is still a chance it's Sean McVay's last year. But to the extent that you want to rekindle that fire, you want to give him a guy he can start developing, a guy who's – young in the position, who is that, that lump of clay that McVeigh can mold, that may be the kind of thing that, that rekindles that spirit that gets him to want to be there as, as they build, rebuild, remodel, whatever reword they want to use. They aren't what they were just 15 months ago. It's amazing how quickly they fall apart. It's been the most stunning collapse I've ever seen a Super Bowl champion experience so plenty of needs there let's take a break when we return the other two teams in the nfc west seahawks Cardinals. what do they need in the draft we'll do that next here on pft live um kind of periphery stuff but not that that stuff really gets uh pretty intense um, let's say like next Tuesday, Wednesday, those are really the two days that kind of people kind of set up uh, broad parameters for, you know, moving up, moving back at different spots. We were battling to hold that information, of course. You know, that's, the, yeah. that's this, where the value comes from, you know, when they don't know what you're doing. So um, you know, we've, we've been all over the place, we've done a million things and looked at, you know, different, million different scenarios right now. And, and uh, I don't know how anybody else could know what we're doing because we don't know what the heck we're doing. So. <laughs> I don't mean that. That sounds, yeah. I don't mean that. Seattle Seahawks trying to create a little confusion, a little misdirection. Yeah, I think they know what they're doing. When you're at pick five, there aren't many scenarios you have to play out to know what your options are going to be. Now, as it relates to trading down, John Schneider said they've gotten periphery calls. I'm not quite sure what that means, but preliminary maybe 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 he's got a schneiderism there i think he meant preliminary calls and it heats up next week as they get closer to the draft and we'll see we we know they have a history of trading down the question becomes who's there for them do they stay put or do they do they pursue more lottery tickets i'm a firm believer in getting more choices more players that's more opportunities to get guys that become great players and part of your nucleus and they've done a great job over the years finding guys later in the process they they definitely have i mean you know they've quietly done a good job of kind of retooling this roster a little bit over the last year and a half two years you know even did a good job in free agency this year did some things and have a chance to really change their team around here with two picks in the top 20 right five and 20 i mean wow so i got so much respect for pete carroll and john schneider and what they've done how long they've done it you know their eye for the attitude and the talent of the football player, right? I mean, uh, and then, you know, even their guts, just the guts of going with Geno and how they support them and everything. Uh, I certainly have a, a ton of respect for that Seahawks organization. They've been selling the idea that they may take a quarterback at number five. We've heard less of that as we've gotten close to the draft. I think they realize that's that's a little malarkey, that they're not going to introduce that element of – a top five quarterback as they embark on this relationship with Geno Smith. And he's, even though his contract, very easy to walk away from after one year, they just don't want that. They don't need that. I I think that's where we really will be waiting to see if Jalen Carter is the pick. And if not, a trade down to somebody who wants to come get Jalen Carter. I think that's the guy. If they're looking to leverage a trade, that's the guy they need to be looking at at number five, not a quarterback. No, I, I, I think so too. I think if you look at them as a whole, like the you know the front seven, I certainly can look at, and it's not bad. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they got one of the prize possessions in football and Draymond Jones in free agency 
uh, th- this offseason. I mean, he's one of those guys, you know, F the play up, right? He's not a household name. But if you and I watched the game on film, we'd go, damn, that guy, Draymond Jones, is in the backfield crossing a lot of havoc, a whole lot, right? So that, that was a big-time signing. But I still think front seven would probably be a, a, a big need here. I would. You know, interior O-line, you can look at that and go, yeah, they could maybe use something there. But, you know, Jalen Carter or, like I've said to you, Mike, if Tyree Wilson's on the board and they can have a guy like that coming off the edge – I'd have a hard time thinking they can they they're going to pass that one up either. So I, I feel like it's a front seven type of move, and within front seven, yeah, to me it is. It's Jalen Carter, Tyree Wilson, at least with pick five there as the guys that could possibly be available, and I think would make a lot of sense for them to pick. Highest pick they've had since 2009, the year before Pete Carroll and John Schneider arrived. They took linebacker Aaron Curry. It did not go well for Aaron Curry in the no, Seattle Seahawks. And it ha- it just happens. And he was in a tough spot. He gets taken in the last year of the old regime. New regime comes in. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. So what are their top needs? What do they have to get this year? I think it's it's that like interior line I talked about. I think at some point in the draft, they probably go there with a guard or something. You know, and then yeah, I I do. I think it's a a, a defensive line. You know, it's still another guy there, and just Pete Carroll, defensive coach. Like I said, there's some good, but you know, they need some marquee players. And and Uchana Nwosu, he's a good edge defender. And man, if you could couple him with, like I said, a Tyree Wilson, or you get a Jalen Carter at number five, I still think like, man, if Jalen Carter's on the board, I just have a hard time. Phil, I mean, Seattle, Pete Carroll, defensive guy is going to let him go by. I, I think he's taking him, you know, like we said, with a piece of gum and he's going to run to New York with the pick or, or Kansas City, I should say. But I think those are the two things I look at more than, than anything, Mike. The Arizona Cardinals, beginning with the Kyler Murray homework clause in his contract, have (laughs) slipped into the position as the most dysfunctional team right now in football. They've earned the third overall pick in the draft. Last time they picked a non-quarterback in the top three was Larry Fitzgerald back in 2004. What must they emerge from this process with? And they may be like the Rams where we can say, what don't they need? A little bit. They are a little like that. You know, we we know they don't need receiver. They don't need stand-up linebacker because they got Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons. You know, they don't need safeties. Buda Baker and and Thompson are awesome little duo back there, right? After that, you can go. They could use anything anywhere. Uh, I, I think that that those are the only spots you can look at in quarterback where you can go. Wait, we're we're good there. Right, O line certainly is something that needs to be addressed, no doubt about it. You know, and we've talked about this too. And then D line certainly is another, just you know, a lot like Seattle in that way. You know, against with the Arizona Cardinals, there's nobody to talk about. Who who are you worried about blocking or being disruptive or doing anything? So that's where I just go. They they got it, and it's Jonathan Gannon, and he just came from. You know, big ass heaven in Philadelphia with all those big D linemen and big legs and every you got nothing like that there. So he's got to start to replicate that, and that's where I got to think one of those D linemen, the, the two we talked about, you know, with Seattle are going to be end up in in Arizona. I've always aspired to go to heaven. I don't know how I feel <laughs> big, about ass big ass heaven. heaven. You're not in big ass heaven. You don't get to go there. Sorry, right. your ass is too small to be in that heaven. Sorry. <laughs> By the way, by the way, uh, for those who like new uniforms, you're in heaven tonight. See what I did with that? The (laughs) Cardinals in one of the most unanticipated (laughs) debuts of a new because it's I mean, I like I like the whole concept of the uniform change. I'm always concerned that Nike is going to completely warp how these things look. I love the black helmets they introduced last year. We'll see what happens with the Cardinals. I've never been a. I've never been a big fan of naming a football team after the Cardinal. I mean, the Cardinal isn't exactly an intimidating. How dare you? The Blue Jay will dive bomb you. Am I wrong? Baseball, fine. Football, look, that logo, it doesn't, it's just like mildly perturbed. Like at least the Louisville Cardinals logo looks pissed off. The, 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 the Arizona Cardinal is just kind of like mildly irritated. Well, yeah, all right. He's irritated either way. I like it. It's a, it's it's got it's rooted in our history of the NFL. 
and you know where they came from and the you know the north back in the day the cardinals are very prevalent bird i got no problem with it i think there's worse out there i like the cardinal i'm excited for it i always like the uniform drop and you you were so in love with their black helmet last year. Didn't you order one? I of love them? their black helmet. Didn't you order it? I, yes. I can't yeah. You're gonna you're gonna order something tonight around seven PM ish with a new uniform at the Cardinals, probably. Depend, depends on <laughs> depends on, on what I'm drinking and oh, smoking. Oh, four twenty. Uh, Come on. I haven't done that much lately though. But I, I, I have a bad habit. I have a bad habit. I've I've reformed myself because right. I've gotten in trouble. Well, you, you have a couple cocktails and you're feeling pretty good and you got this device that hey, you, just, you buy oh, stuff. Yeah, oh, well, search this. Yeah, just buy shit for the barn. Oh, sorry, <laughs> buy stuff for the barn. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. Although, you know, one of the reasons I don't do it is I'm at the point where there's so much stuff in the barn that it's getting cluttered. I have to find something that I'll get rid of before I can put anything else there. It's getting a little cluttered. I like it, I like where it is. But there's a point where you just can't fit any more stuff into it. The, it's a fine line between a collection of memorabilia and hoarder. Yeah. So yeah, I'm trying right. to strike the balance so it always looks good and it's not too much stuff. Yeah, don't become so, a hoarder. Don't be one uh, of those guys where you walk in the barn and you're like, well, oh, man, no. we can't move or do anything because he's got crap everywhere. Well, right, right. <laughs> I Well, it's it's perfect right now. Yeah. But But, yeah, there's a point where, like, I look for spaces on the wall. Right. To, to like, where, where is there any gap where I can put anything? Is there any shelf space that I can, you know, and yeah, I've, I'm at the point where I'm going to have to. Good. I like it. So, usually, usually it's so the opposite. Usually old people helmet, are become hoarders. Yeah. So yeah, and you're fighting your oldness. I like that. You know, like I can still remember my nanny, my grandma. She was, she was a hoarder and all that. You'd walk into her damn house. You'd be like, oh my gosh, I can barely move or do anything. She's got a chair here from 1921 and a vase here she liked from 1936. And oh my gosh. So don't become that. Okay. <laughs> That's not bad. It's when there's stacks of newspapers from 1952. That there was that too. Time there magazine. Was that too. That was in the house as well. That that's yes. You're very you're very right. <laughs> All right, let's take a break. When we return, and I like this tease. I'm truly intrigued by it. Chris's number one linebacker prospect might also be the number one soundbite in this year's draft. We'll let you know who it was, and probably let you hear from him when PF2 Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. How would you kind of pitch yourself? What are your main selling points? Uh, comic relief. I'm a nice guy. Yeah, I, I would. You believe me? Dayon, you look like you're in decent shape. Um, decent? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's high my muscles. I've been showing up for y'all. Well, yeah, I'm lying. I'm lying. I talk some trash. I talk some trash. I'm lying. Can I say read them and, like, read them and weep? Does that work for this? Or is that just cards? Bow. I don't know. What does that say? Bow. Bow. Is that it? I appreciate you guys. Stay beautiful. There he is, Dayon Henley. Now, now, look, I've given Derek Carr a hard time. 
from time to time of showing up in sleeveless T-shirts whenever he can. Deion Henley has a lifetime pass. As long as he is <laughs> yeah, jacked right. like that, don't even wear a shirt, dude. Why even bother with the sleeveless T-shirt? Just walk out of your there you door go, Mike. shirtless. And, uh, yeah, there it is. Yeah, yeah He's built. Uh, so he's your number one guy. He is. You got three guys in tier one, right. but he's your number one guy. What stands out to you the most about him? Well, I, I think it's, you know, what you're kind of seeing here with the body. We're talking about a, a freak explosive athlete, right? He's right around 230 pounds. You could see he's chiseled. He's ripped. He's dense as hell. It's explosive as hell. And Mike, he's just your, you know, modern day, typical middle linebacker. Of course, very athletic. You got to be this day and age, right? You're going to have to cover Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield. And then, oh, wait, it's Travis Kelsey on one play, right? And then, oh, it's a wide receiver screen. I got to run out there and get it and do all that. So he's an athlete for one that can be very comfortable in all those circumstances I just mentioned, let alone he's your typical ball hawking middle linebacker, right? Does everything good from that standpoint. I mean, he's aggressive, comes downhill, takes on blocks really well, right? I mean, sideline to sideline. It's it's again, it's four five four. It's a one five five split. That those are special times for somebody at this position right there, you know. And even though he's a little bit smaller than maybe your traditional linebacker, he does a pretty good job getting off blocks, Mike. You know, so we're talking about a high level, twitchy, explosive athlete who's fearless. And you know me, Mike. That's a big thing with me. I'm big into like that conversation we have. Uh, like linebackers, I, I want zero hesitation. Hey, there's a wall, run through it. They just go, yep, got it. And, and that's what it, and that's what he has. He has a reckless physica- physicality about him that I think is very necessary to play that position in the NFL at a high level. Do you think a linebacker goes in round one? No, I do not. I don't. I don't think we're going to see a linebacker. In round one this year, I think we could start to see the guys like this come off the board around 35 or 40, right? And then you could start to see some linebackers in that area. But there's no perfect prospect this year at the linebacker position or, you know, an obvious first-round talent. No. Let's look at the safeties now. I gave you a hard time yesterday. They were the last of the guys you looked at. You start with the quarterbacks. You end with the safeties, kickers, punters, long snappers. Sorry, you don't get evaluated at all. Two Illinois guys. Oh. You throw in Devin Witherspoon. Uh-huh. And Chris Chris is a closet Illinois fan. No, I, exactly. I mean, I, why didn't anybody tell me that Illinois has some of the craziest mofos I've ever seen on the planet in the secondary? I'd have been rooting for them so hard this year. I mean, you know what I – Devin Witherspoon was my man crush. He's my man crush of the draft. How could he not be, Right. But damn, these guys right here, these are like if, if, if he dumped me, these are my other man crushes right here. All right. I mean, wow. Lovey Smith, what he did to recruit some of these guys up to Illinois. Holy cow. I mean, Quan Martin is Chauncey Gardner Johnson, you know, that kind of guy, Mike, if that makes sense. It's a free safety and a guy that also could play nickel and cover. Maybe even Mike Hilton, if that makes sense. That's what we're talking about here, though. Incredible ball-hawking skills in the back end, can cover in the slot, and again, you know me, I'm a sucker for psychos, all right? And he's a psycho. He runs into walls and whoever and has no idea that he's 194 pounds. Nobody told him. He thinks he's 254. So, yeah, him and his buddy on the other side, Sidney Brown, whose twin brother is a top five running back in, in my list there, He's a similar way, but a little bit bigger and a more powerful element. So Quan Martin's a psycho that's a little more coverage-based. Quan Martin, I mean, uh, Quan Martin's a psycho that's coverage-based. Sidney Brown's a little bit more of a psycho that has a little more physicality and maybe run game-based. But damn, to me, they're the, the two best safeties in this draft, Mike. Well, we've made it clear you like psychos and big asses. You Which know heaven that. is better, psycho <laughs> heaven or big ass heaven? <laughs> yes. Um, uh, and then here's the brothers. Here's the twins. There's the, the, the safety on the left, the running back on the right. Um, really impressive athletes. They're really good. You know? But safety's a different position in the NFL than, than how we grew up, Mike, right? It's not. You know, the Ronnie Lotts of the world and all that, they're, they're, not, they're linebackers now, right? The guy we just talked about, Dayon Henley, back in the day would have been like a strong safety. Now he's a linebacker, right? And you know, our, 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 our traditional safeties now are becoming a little bit smaller, faster, and coverage-based. 
because of, again, I think the versatility of offenses. It's the spread. It's, oh, it's power run game, so you need the tackle. But the next play, again, McCaffrey's in the slot or George Kittle's in the slot. we got to have a guy that can cover him, too, and play that game. So that's where the position's changed. Uh, I don't think there's a first-round safety in the class either, Mike. I think another reason why the position's changed, yeah. think of the intimidation factor that used to apply in the secondary. Sure. Can't do that anymore. Yeah. There's no value to that anymore. The Andre Waters, the Chuck Cecil. Yeah. Knock right? your head off, guys. You, right. You, 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 it's not part of the game anymore. Yeah. So that guy does become a linebacker because that mentality is better suited to being closer to the ball. That's a very good point, Mike. I totally agree with you there. You know, but that that's where, you know, the games change in these positions where, you know, the old school middle linebacker Harry Carson, right, that we grew up with or, you know, those type of guys, smash mouth, whatever. There's a few of those, right? But more than le- more times or not, it's more like Nick Bolton and Willie Gay and that kind of guy now. You know, 230 can fly and run all over the field because, yeah, he's tough and he can play smash mouth, right? There's some, you know, some bad things as far as, yeah, he can get blocked or moved because he's not huge, but we got to worry about read option and RPO and wide receiver screen to Jalen Waddle out there. So you better be able to have, you know, go-go rockets up your butt to get out there and make that play. And I think, you know, to your point and what I'm saying is, is why those two positions have changed. Let's take a break. When we return, some of the latest on the Commanders and a theory that I have that I'm pretty sure you're not going to hear anywhere else and that could be a good thing or a bad thing. You'll find out next here on PS. There is a shooter on the grassy knoll? Should we be surprised that there is nothing that seems to be simple about the sale of the Washington Commanders? Now, we have a couple of different tracks. On one track, Josh Harris's bid is being preliminarily evaluated by the NFL. Only minor issues have been observed, although one of them is they haven't quite figured out where all the money's coming from. That would seem to be more than minor. But it's a non-binding bid. It's a non-exclusive offer where Daniel Snyder still could choose someone else, huh. someone who would have a better deal than the $6.05 billion. It's not done yet. It's not even remotely close to being done. And, Chris, we've talked about Josh Harris. He's got Magic Johnson involved, Mitchell Rails, who helped get the dollars to where they needed to be. This Brian Davis angle that kind of popped up over the weekend, right. and I personally do not believe, based on anything I've heard, he did a long interview yesterday with the sports junkies on 106.7 The Fan in D.C. I do not believe that he has the money to buy 30% at $7 billion himself. Because those are league rules. There are very specific requirements to buy a team. The lead owner, the primary owner, Chris, has to have 30%, has to be able to write the check, transfer the funds for 30%. You can't borrow for it. You've got to have it. Right. Then you've got to have money on top of that to run the team. Yeah. You can't borrow more than $1.1 billion for the whole thing from a bank. You can have up to 25, I think it is, investors who own pieces of the team. You cobble together 100% that way. It's not like something like, yeah, and, and think about it, and this is where I'm going with this. The NFL places these requirements on the transfer of equity in a team. I'm starting to think, because the guy's not, He's not going to be able to buy the team. That's my opinion. Yeah. I haven't seen all the facts, but listening to that interview, I don't think the guy's got the $2.1 billion where he could buy the team and be the primary owner. So something else is going on. Yeah. So either this is a PR grab, which if so, bravo, we're now aware of Brian Davis who played for Duke and played for the Minnesota Timberwolves and regardless. But my theory is this, and it's more speculation than anything. I wonder whether somebody wants to fight the NFL's rules on – equity transfer, franchise purchase, because you can make the argument it's an antitrust violation for the NFL to say to owners, you can only transfer your team under these specific conditions. You just can't sell to whoever you want to sell for however much money they would want to pay you in whatever structure of a deal they want to do. I can't help but wonder whether or not that's where this one is going, that they're going to challenge at some point the NFL's rules for buying and selling teams yeah I I mean uh, it's interesting that you bring that up you know I would think you know there's there's a a reason the owners have done this or set this up and not necessarily 
monetarily here. I think it's just like safety, insurance, whatever. You know, the fact of like, yeah, we don't, you know, we don't want to just like, oh, yeah, 30, 25 guys got together. We don't know where the money's coming from or whatever. And everything goes bad or something happens to the organization. And, you know, now they got to sell. And it's like, oh, my gosh, it's a crap show here as far as, you know, the money and where it gets dispersed. I, I'm sure that's why that's there. But it's interesting that you think this could be challenged. Well, look, look at it this way. My yeah. business, PFT, people think NBC owns it. They don't. I own 100% of the equity. I could sell it to whoever I want. Now, I've got restrictions in my contract with NBC, but conceptually, if you own a business, you should be able to sell it to whoever you want. It is an antitrust violation for 32 independent businesses to come together. It's arguably. I'm not saying it is, but I could see the pathway into a courtroom. They're violating the antitrust laws by putting these restrictions in place, and maybe this is all the beginning stages of a test case to file a lawsuit against the NFL to blow up these rules. And then that opens the door for anybody, corporations, Saudi Arabia, anybody to come in and buy these teams. Anyway, something to keep an eye on because it all seems too weird with Brian Davis. Let's take a break. More PFT Live right after this. The battle between grass and artificial fields not going away, even though the league would very much like it to do so. The NFLPA aggressively pointing out that last year, the injury rates on artificial turf significantly higher than on grass, and also pointing out that the league likes to cherry pick when the stats favor them, massaging the stats. You know, it goes back to the Thursday night thing. Right. All the injury right. rates are the same between normal rest and short week. Well, that's only part of the story, but that's the part that helps the NFL, so they push it. Look, the bottom line is, we all know this. The players want grass. The game is safer on grass. One of the things we talked about a few weeks ago, the idea that these changes they're contemplating to the kickoff and the punt return, if they would just switch to grass, maybe you don't need to make those changes. Maybe those plays instantly become safer if they're playing on grass. So it all comes down to money, Chris. Yes. And the owners don't want to spend the money for the best possible service. It is astounding. I to know. Me they don't want to protect their investments in these players right. by spending the money for the best possible yeah, playing service. It makes no sense. And like I said, like we've discussed before, I, I, I bet you ultimately, if you look out at the surface and the injury, the money they're having to pay to guys that are injured because of the surface, they're really not saving money. I mean, that's where I would really want to challenge that. You know, but that would take some research. But either way, it's it's foolproof. I've never been with any football player ever that likes to play on field turf more than grass. They could say whatever they want. It needs to disappear from the sport altogether. I mean, I don't want to watch Michigan, Ohio State on plastic. I want to see it on the grass. I want to see it everywhere in football. Stop with this crap on this artificial turf. I just wonder how much of it is basic power play. You guys want it. We're the yeah. we're the ones in charge. We're going to do what we want. And it is fitting, as Pete points out, that we conclude on 420 by talking about grass. Yeah, baby, 420. Pump, pump, pass, Momo. See ya. <laughs> For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 